Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming. I'm your host, Trevor Bettis, and with me each week are two amazing people that know way more about this than I ever will. Mitra Jordan is a registered clinical counselor with counsel with a counseling and psychotherapy practice in Vancouver, BC. Rafael Bocamazzo, aka Dr. B, is the clinical director at for Take This and Dabney on critical on clinical role. Uh, they'll be talking about mental health in these unprecedented times as well as how gaming affects us. If you're live with us here in the chat, you can leave a question that I might ask them later in the show. But before that, our topic today is finding a therapist. And for more on that, I pass it over to Mitra and Dr. B. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. Uh, why, why don't you, because again, we don't assume anybody's been here before. Why don't you both uh, introduce yourselves again? Okay. I am a therapist and clinical counselor working in Victoria, British Columbia. And I'm thrilled about this topic. Super excited to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm a doctor of clinical psychology. I don't practice because I do nothing but education and policy work these days, but I was extensively clinically trained and I can certainly talk about the work I used to do with people. Um, and I'm also, I, I, this is something that I'm excited about because this is a question that we get more often than anything else mm -hmm. over at Take This. In fact, our, uh, our expert article on how to find a therapist who works for you is probably our most utilized resource. If you're interested in looking for that, please go over to takethis.org. Um, but one of the biggest misconceptions I, I, I encounter from people or one of the biggest hesitations is just what is therapy like? Because we, we have such a bad image of it, thank you media, of either... <laughs> you know, that horrible asylum trope where all of the mental health professionals are evil and, or it's some, I, I, I hesitate, I always feel self-conscious about this, but some like bearded dude with a gray beard just going, yeah, but tell me about your mother. <laughs> so Mitra, what's therapy like? <laughs> well, <laughs> therapy is a place where people can feel safe to explore and consider things that otherwise are too difficult or they just don't have the room for that in their lives because your daily life is kind of on the go and you're usually working to survive depending on what's going on in your life. And so therapy is a safe space where you get to have someone who is working for you. And I can't stress that part enough um, to help you work through the goals that you have that you want to make your life work better for you. So I don't know if it, that answers how it feels when you walk <laughs> in the door and you're feeling super anxious about being there. And I'm going to assure you that your therapist, your new therapist that you just met, um, that you probably, if you're seeing them in person now, did not shake hands with and maybe wearing a mask. But if you're on a Zoom call, um, they're nervous too. They're, they're nervous because they haven't met you. They want to put you at ease and they don't necessarily know you terribly well. Um, they may have had a quick chat with you or even a Zoom call. But yeah, we want to put you at your ease and we want you to feel like you're somewhere safe where you can say anything. So that's the aim. But like, what's, what's the, what's the process like with you? Like if I were to come to a therapy session with you, do mm -hmm. I am, should I expect that there's going to be a fainting couch there and I'm going to be, have <laughs> okay. my back facing you and I'm Good just point. going to free associate. And you're going to tell me that the snake in my dreams really wasn't a snake. And it's not the snake I'm afraid of. Yeah, um, I could tell I, you lots of things about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's it like? So uh, 
I don't know a lot of therapists who work psychoanalytically. There are psychoanalytic therapists who do have couches, but uh, I can guarantee you they don't use them as often as you would think. Um, no, my clients sit face to face with me. I want them to feel comfortable. I want them to feel like I'm listening. They, they know I'm engaged in being there with them. So you'd walk in. <clears throat> if you haven't seen me before, um, you would have received my consent form. Um, or you come in and we look at the consent form together so that you have an opportunity to ask questions um, so that you know the limits of confidentiality. This is a really big one. What are the circumstances under which I can no longer hold confidentiality? And things like court cases or things like um, we need to admit you to a hospital because of your suicidal thoughts and feelings, particularly you've got plans. You know, those are the kinds of things that kind of limit confidentiality. But we, we would go over all that. We would work out wh what the complaints process might look like, should there be one. And I don't want to scare people, but I do think that those are really important things for a client to know before they start work. What if they're not happy with how things go? You know, what then? What do they do? How much do I charge? They should know that before they come in for their first session. You know, so there's some housekeeping, I would call it, stuff that we need to get through so that people can feel comfortable being there. Um, and then we would get into what's brought you here. You know, how are you doing? What are your goals? You know, um, and assuring them that they can pretty much ask me anything that they need to in terms of who I am to feel comfortable in the session. Within reason, I'll answer those questions. So, yeah, that's what you would expect to feel like you could sit down, feel safe, feel like you could um, say what you needed, feel like you were in a, you were in a supported place to do that. I, I will say, g going back to towards the beginning of what you're saying of like, the therapist is, is, uh, is like nervous too about it. Like, <laughs> I never thought about yeah. that. And that kind of like going into the future, whenever mm -hmm. I am able to look for a therapist again, that I think that's going to make me feel a little bit better. <laughs> no, it's just like, oh, I'm not only the one that's nervous about this. <laughs> No, because um, I mean, depending on where people work, and once again, I, I you know, want to remind everybody that I, I don't currently work with people, but you know, I trained thousands of hours in grad school and postdoc working with people. Um, but it was always kind of a crapshoot, like what was going to happen, especially depending on the setting in which you worked. And personality, personality fit is one of the biggest most important factors yeah. in that therapeutic outcome, which, you know, the, the research supports this, that it's probably the biggest controllable factor in therapeutic outcome. And on a just sort of common, you know, layperson level, um, it makes sense. If you can't trust your therapist to be vulnerable mm -hmm. in front of them, if you can't trust your therapist to kind of create what's called a, a holding space for your emotions, and for your experiences in a way that you trust is supportive and hopefully judgment-free, then you're probably not going to get a whole lot of benefit out of a th out of therapy, no matter how well-trained they are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a really crucial part of it. You shouldn't feel like you're with your best friend who's going to support you through every single thing you say, but you should feel like you 
are supported to feel the things you need to and then there are challenges coming up to some of the assumptions or a broader discussion of the themes in your life or the narrative that's brought you to those conclusions around your life so it's like being with someone who can um really support you but also honestly help you take a look at yourself i think i i I had an analogy in my head as you both were saying that because that makes a lot of sense about not wanting them to be your friend um it's 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 kind of like uh say that i was i had a sudden change of life uh decision where i'm like i'm gonna learn gymnastics and i i'm you know i'm gonna learn how to do some things i'm not gonna want my friend there to tell me how to do stuff i want someone who knows what they're doing and is and is there to support me literally that time with (laughs) physically holding me up and making sure i don't fall down i want someone there who's going to do that and not someone who is going to be like oh that was a fantastic flip when it looked like you know like that or something (laughs) so yeah i i I, that makes a lot of sense well and one of the things you know um this is a conversation i used to have with people a lot um because the we've already broached the topic of the relationship but therapeutic relationships are a little weird are a little they are a little strange in that for the most part they're one way Mm -hmm. it's a legitimate relationship but when you think about you know mitra already brought up the idea of your best friend when you think about somebody who's like your best friend there's a reciprocity there's a two-way relationship there you Mm -hmm. disclose they disclose you commiserate they commiserate you know the intimate details and embarrassing stories about them they were probably there for you with yours and where when it comes to a mental health professional that is considerably more one way Mm -hmm. you are sharing intimate details about yourself and they are not reciprocating with the intimate details of their life which at first for a lot of people feels real weird because it's different than anything most of us have been socialized to to engage in Mm -hmm. but it doesn't make it any less of a real relationship it's just got different parameters around it Yeah, definitely. Um, And if a therapist does use self-disclosure, it needs to be appropriate and um, to uh, fitting to the client's experience. So I have sometimes used examples of events in my life in order to illustrate them for a client, partly because I don't want to use other clients' experiences. You know, I don't want my client to be sitting there thinking, did that happen in the previous session, you know, with somebody else, you know, ever. So yeah, I might sometimes use myself. Um, And, but it's not about sharing my issues. You know, I don't, the client should never feel a sense of holding space for the therapist. I am there working for you. So if, if by any chance I mention, um, yeah, you know, it is really tough when a pet dies, you know, I really get that. Um, then, and a client's like, oh, tell me about, you know, your cat or something, then I will a little bit just to kind of help them know that they're not alone in that experience. Um, or that here's some things that one can do to get through it. And some of it's my personal experience and some of it's the literature, you know, but so that's about sort of sharing space with your client and in that moment, equalizing it because it is a very unequal relationship in the sense that they are, as you say, you know, spilling their guts, and I am not. And that can feel very unequal in terms of vulnerability in the room. 
um, but it's the purpose of it so that a person gets to feel really safe and held and never at any point does a client have to take care of my emotional world. And that's mm -hmm. new for a lot of people. And that's a really important piece of it as well. Yeah, you know, it, it's so weird to think about it. Where else in your life? And this is actually how this is how I advertise therapy to people. I'm like, <laughs> no, therapy is pretty awesome. Here's let me tell you why. Where else in life can you pay the low price of <laughs> and have somebody focus completely on you for one hour? You, it, but I feel selfish talking about me. That's the point. <laughs> that is the sure. point. You have their under, you know, if they're a reasonably decent therapist, you have their full attention for that hour. Yeah. Which Excellent. once you kind of sink into it is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a really important part of it is that you, you do feel attended to in that way. And so if you ever feel like your therapist is, you know, going to sleep or like they say things like, what about your brother? You know, are they a support in your life? And you're like, I told you last week that they died, you know, five years ago. Like you do not want that to happen. I'm just saying you, you want your therapist to really kind of remember about yeah. the experiences that you've shared. You know, and, and, it, and it's, I know it sounds weird to say this, but it's actually, it's, it's a valid thing that's come up for people. It's like somehow the therapist seems to have missed really important facts of their life that they did share. So we don't want that happening. In, in prepping for this episode, you know, we, we had a conversation about therapists and stuff, and I told you about the therapist that I realized was not good for me uh i won't yeah. go into details here because it doesn't particularly matter but yeah that i mean again that was another red flag that therapist 100 mm. percent did that where they're like well what about this i'm like that is not me <laughs> yeah. um yeah that i i think going forward is i know that i know that the therapy is me like dr b said i get an hour of someone's time to be focused on me but like I think I need to go into it also looking for those red flags though, being aware of those red flags. Um, yeah. because I think before I just assumed, no, every therapist is fine. Like I'll just go into it and it will help me and it will, you know, everything will be okay. So, nope. Yep. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, and we, you know, we talked about, we talked about this a little yesterday and, um, I was really, you know, as, as we were prepping for this, I was really surprised to find out and really happily surprised to find out that Mitra and I, uh, back in the days when I used to work with clients, um, had, I had, and she has a similar intake question. And that is, what are you not looking for in a therapist? Mm. You know, Mitra, what, why do you ask that? Because I think that there's two reasons. First of all, if you've had therapy before, there might be some things that really didn't work and you really just don't ever want to see them happening in therapy again. And the second one is that if you haven't had therapy, you may have a lot of ideas and fears about what you don't want to have happen. And so it's an important thing to address early on because I don't want a client to ever be sitting in anxiety about, you know, repetition of a negative experience in therapy or a fear that they have about what therapy is going to be like. So 
let's get it out there. And mm-hmm. let's also talk about, you know, they might have been a perfectly good therapist that somebody saw, but the modality didn't work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, modality meaning what? Modality meaning the way someone practices. So there's different um, schools of therapy. There's different ways of practicing, and they don't all um, work with every client. And I think when we were speaking briefly yesterday, we kind of talked about, you know, how some therapists are directive and might give you homework to do or, or might jump in and sort of share, you know, what they're hearing the client say, and then maybe ask, you know, you've mentioned this path, this path, and this path, which way would you want to go? And that's, di- that's a little bit more directive in terms of the therapy offering guidance versus some therapists who really just are sounding boards. And the sounding board piece doesn't work for everyone. And the more guided directive therapy also doesn't work for some people. So it's important to have a sense of what you're looking for and then feel it out as you're there and also ask your therapist if they can shift um, their their process into how they work. Maybe they can't, maybe they can, right? They should yeah, be able to and, if they're any I mean, good. Well, no, it, you're, I mean, you're bringing up something important here. And we, we, t- we touched on this about how, how important personality fit is. Yeah. And um, for some people, uh, for some people like me, I, I'm, well, first of all, I'm well-versed in, you know, most, a lot of psychological concepts. Yeah. I'm fairly self-efficient, you know, I'm self-effective uh, when it comes to managing things. If I'm at the point that I'm seeing a therapist, I don't want somebody as a sounding board. I have that, and this is for me, yeah. I've got plenty of friends who are willing to be my sounding board. I want someone who has expertise, who's going to give me actionable tips for me to improve my life mm-hmm. and probably some homework so I can carry that through and practice it. But that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, also have a couple of degrees in this, so I really know what I'm looking for mm-hmm. um, and what I'm not looking for because I've done mm-hmm. enough therapy on both ends of it. Um, <laughs> But one of the, a question that I, I had as we were talking for you, Mitra, is like, what questions in that initial session are people often nervous to ask that you really wish they'd ask, that you just love for them mm. to ask? I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking back. <laughs> um, I think people are quite hesitant to ask um, really important questions about where I stand in terms of social justice issues. Um, You know, people need to feel, for instance, um, I often work with LGBTQIA uh, two-spirit populations. Um, I work with a lot of people who identify as as queer. um, And I am very comfortable working with them and I, and they need, and those are the groups that are often actually more comfortable because of their own experience um, in terms of discrimination, asking about um, where do I stand? How do I work? Who am I as a therapist? Am I comfortable working with them? You know, um, which is wonderful, but I'll often get clients who are bicultural or multicultural, and it's I notice it really changing now. But some of those clients, particularly if they're older, um, often it's difficult for them to ask um, those kinds of questions about how well will they be received, you know, how culturally aware and knowledgeable I am as a therapist, what's my training like in that. Um, and then 
questions around my training in general can be awkward for people to ask, partly because I don't, they don't always, as you say, you're very knowledgeable, Dr. B. Not all clients are knowledgeable about what they are looking for in a therapist. And so that's something that I'm really happy to explore with them in terms of how they work. Um, but this, again, speaks to that power differential we're talking about. So I'm knowledgeable about something, and they're asking me to share a little bit of that, and they might feel really awkward about it. So, um, and then I think when people are having strong, you know, major issues around relationship, um, those are questions that are scary for them to ask, you know, because they might be questions that they're not sure about what answer they're looking for. So they might ask questions about, you know, would you, would you be able to tell if I, if my relationship won't work, you know? So mm. those kinds of questions can be scary and awkward for people to ask. I, I have, I have a follow-up thing with that. And I, and I know this one's mainly about finding a therapist, but um, you know, my thoughts also keep coming back to how do I know to stay with a therapist? And mm -hmm. I didn't get a chance to actually ask the the therapist that I had this question because while I was feeling feeling like I don't think they and I are on the same page uh, as far as like where I am and where they might think I am. And so I was uh, what I had planned to do um, until I wasn't able to go see them anymore was to ask, how do you uh, feel I'm doing with mm -hmm. the therapy is do you, do you think that is a reasonable question to ask? Yeah. And in fact, I think it should be something that therapists are checking in with you about, because mm. I check in with people nearly every session and I don't want them to say, oh, it's great because because they're scared. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want them to feel <laughs> like they have to please their therapist to yeah. feel OK. Yeah. Um, I, but I do want to check in with them. How was this for you? You know, what things were useful? What things, uh, you know, let's explore how the session went. So I'd like to leave a little room for that. Um, either towards the end of a session or at the start of the next one. How was your week? How were you doing? How did the last session sit with you? That kind of thing. That's so how am I doing is something that is uppermost in every client's mind and they should get to explore that. Okay. okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and um, just to frame that a little, I mean, talking about style, um, back when I, back when I was, uh, you know, in my training days, uh, I, I was trained heavily in a form of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy because I was trained by one of the students of the person who created it. Um, and getting feedback from clients about how they think therapy is going is a routine part of that process because, um, you know, this is a personal style. This was a personal bias thing. I used to tell clients that I view my job as a consultant. I am an expert on generalized concepts of change. You are the expert on you. You, I work for you, literally, you pay me. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to make sure that the services I'm providing you, my boss, are working for you. And it, it was shocking to me how many of them, when I, when I spoke to them about that, and I, I said, I work for you, literally. That they were like, I'm sorry, what? It, it really shifted that power dynamic a lot. And that's something, unfortunately, I, I, I just don't hear as many therapists doing to, um, maybe this is my own personal bias, but, um, you know, trying to make that power differential as minimized as possible yeah. and make it as egalitarian as we can 
because I just, you know, that's kind of a social justice thing for me, but. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's and, hugely important. I tell clients I work for them all the time. They are hiring me. They are paying me. You know, it's there. And, and this is where I think it's also really important that a therapist asks themselves in a session, is this, is it useful for the client that we're spending time on this? Um, so of course, when a client brings something up, that's important and that's useful, but there are times where the conversation can go off track, right? And you mm -hmm. find yourself talking about this wonderful hobby that they have <laughs> that you're, ex you know, and, and, but it's, it's important to bring it back. So if the session is alive with a lot of authentic emotion in it, as in you're feeling like you're getting to say the things you needed to say in that session, you feel like the therapist was paying attention to maybe what your goals were for the session, because we'll often do that at the start of a session. What's really important right now? Like, where would you like to start? Um, we'll talk halfway through. I'm mindful of the time. I want to make sure that um, what needs to be said in this session gets said. And this is how I help by working for them, like so that you go away and you feel like, OK, that was really useful this week. I've got something to work with. Um, I feel like I got to unload. I feel like a relief. You know, any of those things are important and good to get to. So, yeah. And if that's not happening and therapy feels like it's stale or you don't feel like you're in the room there with the therapist, like whether you're on Zoom or not, you should feel that there's your a movement for you in terms of getting your needs met, your feelings met, you know. So, yeah. Okay. I'm rambling now. No, no, no. Hey, that's fine. That's fine. Um, let's actually uh, take a uh, quick mid-show break to remind everyone uh, of our disclaimer, because, uh, again, we do ask for you to put questions into the chat, uh, but please keep these in mind. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosure of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and the links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resources. We assume uh, no liability for the use of this information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your best judgment. And like I said, um, we, we do fully endorse people uh, asking questions in the chat, but please remember that, you know, this is where we can't give you the actual like therapy or advice that you might be looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that, that uh, if you, that I'm going to add this part here. If you have any suggestions on what topics you would like us to talk about, uh, we actually have an email set up. It is champions of psychology at codenameentertainment.com. So if you have any suggestions for things you would like to hear uh, Mitra and Dr. B talk about uh, and me maybe occasionally say something funny, uh, just send that into that email yeah. and we'll take a look <laughs> at it. Um, Dr. B, you, uh, you said uh, in, in our little side chat there that there was a question that uh, in the chat that you'd like to address now. Uh, that's from Hazen, which is, uh, how, do, uh, how do you know you need a therapist? Uh, yeah, uh, there, I, I, I have a quick rule of thumb for myself on that. And that's if I'm questioning whether or not I should go see a therapist, I should probably go see a therapist. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just like, it's just like, I, I used to have a supervisor who would say about difficult cases, 
because you know he's got grad students who are trying to you know be the best they can be mm-hmm. it, it, and he used to tell all of us if you're debating calling me call me mm-hmm. better like safe than sorry I like that. and you know the it the worst in my mind any decent therapist is gonna say to to me if i go see them is you're doing better than you think <laughs> you're actually coping with things fairly well mm-hmm. all things considered maybe there's some skills we could we could work on but you know you're you're doing okay mm-hmm. no I, I that's something that uh has come up in my group of friends several times um is like well like should i go see theirs i'm like i can't tell you that but it i will say this it literally doesn't hurt like if you have the ability to at least go once check it out see if it's for you um they're not gonna you know snicker behind your back if you leave and never come back they they don't care um <laughs> it, you know they'll care if you actually do need the help you know they they would want to help you so um you know <laughs> d- try it I, I i have actually at one point they're like everyone should go therapy i don't care what for everyone should go therapy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no one's life is perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I find what sometimes happens for people is they're like, I shouldn't have anything to complain about, you know, uh, my life is good, and I have a job and I have this and I have that. So, you know, why am I here? And it's like, well, what's going on for you? Mm-hmm. Like, you've given me the outline that things are good, what's happening for you emotionally, that, you know, what, what are you thinking about that brought you here? So I, I think that there's, there's always space for self exploration. Mm-hmm. And as you say, even if it's just like a session or two, or if it's like, no, that's great. You're doing a review of things. You want to think about the decisions you're making or the path you're taking or the path you didn't take that, you know, you're now thinking about. It's still all valuable. Mm-hmm. And no therapist who's good at what they're doing is going to say, ah, oh, yes, sign up for multiple sessions in one go and we'll see. <laughs> I think it's so important no. that people yeah. get to choose yeah. week by week or month by month or however they want to do it in terms of who they're seeing and how frequently so when, when i when i first started going to therapy finding out that like you basically made the appointment like by each time you went at first i was like oh that's really weird and then after the more i thought i'm like no that's actually kind of really nice because mm-hmm. i can just decide when and when not i'm going to go i i got to set the pace because it was like at first i was going every week and eventually after a month i was like you know i don't feel like I feel like two of these sessions, I'm just rambling about the same stuff I was rambling about the week before. Um, so I took it down to every other week. So yeah, I, I, I love that part of it. Well, and most ethical codes that I know about, um, they, they actually, that's part of it, that therapy and mental health, uh, largely due to its unfortunate history, um, we're not, we're not supposed to be exploiting people we are there to help mm-hmm. and if if you oh, yeah. <laughs> right and so i mean if you're not getting any more benefit out of it it's by most ethical codes that i know unethical to keep having somebody pay money this is why i don't know anybody that will sell you therapy sessions in blocks <laughs> all right this is not like te- this is not like a punch card where come to send to come to 10 sessions get the 11th diagnosis free you don't do that yeah, it it's just not okay. Mm-hmm. The point is the point is to put yourself out of business. That's the whole goal. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, I have had 
um, people who sort of say, I want to book a couple of appointments. Totally fine. Nobody's asking you to pay for them. If you feel like Thursdays at four is your day and you think you're going to need the next two or three Thursdays, great. And, you know, give me 24 hours notice more if you can. If you don't want to do that following Thursday or two or whatever, that's fine. I don't want, I want people to feel like the appointment's there for them when they need it, but not to feel like they're obligated to take it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. really important because therapy is about you and you should never feel obligated to have to explore your feelings and emotions in a therapeutic setting unless you want to. Do, therapy doesn't work unless you want to. Do you think that might have to do with the fact that like, I mean, this again, this is outside perspective of it, like therapy is still, you know, you're going to see a doctor like that, that still has that, like going to a hospital kind of mentality to it. Mm. So, you know, normally the hospital's like, you will be here at this day. <laughs> you will give us this much blood. Um, or, you know, like even like my dentist, like he's like, oh man, your wisdom teeth look fine. We should take them out anyways, though. And it's like, that's not the kind of thing that is going to happen with her where they're telling you what you should do with showing up. I, yeah. I just got to say, your yeah. hospital sounds like a bad mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, you know, here's what I here's what I see. You know, the 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 engine needs an oil change right now. But, you know, I, I feel like those brake pads are going to be going out in the next 40 miles. So it really does feel sh- like that. Like I, 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 one time I did go to get my blood drawn. You want to talk? Yeah, yeah, 100% no. I, I, I went to go get my blood drawn at my hospital one time and I go around the corner and there's five vials sitting on there. I'm like, who else is showing up? <laughs> is they, your hospital run by Strahd? Do you want to <laughs> chat? Can I can I get the, the Strahd puppet to talk oh, to? Oh, the finger okay. puppets! Strahd, uh, uh, when, the, when you turn a corner and there's five vials waiting for you... <laughs> We're very happy. (laughs) Make six is even better. (laughs) Let's have lots of blood, people. The worst part of that story, they didn't even check to make sure I had someone to drive me home. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, your therapist, I I, I really, and maybe this is a stylistic thing, um, but maybe this is just a a personal philosophy thing, but I, I really... I really do believe your therapist should be your collaborator in things. Um, Oba Lauren mm. said in the mm-hmm. chat earlier that not everybody is a good fit. Um, yeah. But also, and you, you know, we you you brought up a, an interesting point, Trevor, that everybody should, you know, it's like going to see the doctor. Well, not every therapist has a doctorate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, many people with doctorates don't do therapy. Mm-hmm. So, and I know, Mitra, you wanted to touch on this, like jurisdictional differences and all mm-hmm. that. Oh, I love that mm-hmm. jurisdictional differences. Yeah. So there are therapists in, in the U.S. therapists are licensed to work by state, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Canada, we're licensed or regulated provincially. And so, and not every province has regulation in place. So in fact, in British Columbia, where I practice, Um, I'm part of an association and there is oversight in the association. There's a registration process. You have to have your master's. You have to have a certain number of skills and courses specifically within that master's um, degree. You can't just sort of come along with a master's. You have to, for instance, have group therapy in there and some family therapy background. There's a bunch of things that they look for, but um, there isn't a 
College of Counseling Therapists regulating us as therapists um, in BC. There is in, I think, um, New Brunswick, there is in Ontario, um, but it's, it's sort of province by province. And so what you also need to look for then for in the US is how are the states regulating and licensing? Are they all the same? They might not be. And that's something to take into account. There you go, Dr. B. No, and, it, gets, and, it gets real complicated. Yeah. <laughs> and you want your therapist to have some form of oversight or jurisdiction. It's not just about the complaints process, but it's also about their code of ethics. It, there are specific codes of ethics that we're supposed to follow and that we're bound by in our practice. And you want a therapist who is bound by a code of ethics so that you can trust that they're an ethical therapist. That's really important. Um, so someone who's practicing outside of any kind of jurisdiction or oversight or governing body, um, you know, if you, if therapy doesn't go so well, and if you feel harmed or by your therapist in some way, what's your complaints process? What's your recourse? Mm -hmm. How do you get justice done? In other words, you know, is, is that therapist just free to practice and continue to do harmful things? Like that's a problem. So, oh, and a clinical social worker is also um, bound by a college of social work. So they're a good option as a therapist too. So. I, I, I gotta say, when you were saying jurisdictions and justice for, I just picture this person sitting at a doctor's appointment and they're like, I don't know, I just feel like, and then the door gets kicked in and it's a therapist with a badge. It's like, this is my case now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it. one of the reasons that's important to recognize is that, um, and if you can do the background homework on this, and this is even something to ask if you go to a therapist or anybody for the first time, because therapist is this really broad term that in Washington state where I live um, in the United States, uh, there are a lot of different types of professions that can do therapy. Yeah, Psychiatrists mm. can technically do therapy, although most of them don't. Mm. Uh, psychologists can do therapy and many of them do but psychologists uh, also do like cognitive testing like when i got my autism diagnosis i went to a neuropsychologist um when i was getting my doctorate in psychology they taught me have you know trained me heavily on doing the real personality tests not like you know what gi joe are you i you know uh, on the internet or whatever um but uh licensed clinical social workers in washington state can do therapy Mm -hmm. uh, license, you know, we've got licensed marriage and family therapists. We've got licensed mental health counselors who do, and mo most of those folks are master's level practitioners. Um, so there's a lot of people who can do therapy. Um, and it's really important to ask these questions. Like what's the, uh, uh, one question I love to ask people is like, what's the limits of what you can do for me? Okay. And, um, that really does vary on state by state and telehealth is just making that even more complicated. Like um, this is part of the reason we disclaim things as heavily as we do. Like if we were to give people individualized advice on here, um, we could get in a lot of trouble mm -hmm. because yeah. depending, I believe the law is largely wherever the person resides is where we're considered delivering services. Uh, and yeah, that gets real complicated real quick. That so is, ask questions. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think this the internet absolutely threw open the question of jurisdiction because in some places where there's licensure or jurisdiction or registration, um, the jurisdiction stays with the therapist. In other words, um, I, as a counselor in BC, um, could potentially provide services elsewhere if there was jurisdiction, um, but in not all places. So you could be in uh, California and your therapist could be in, I don't know, Idaho or something, but they might not actually have jurisdiction to, to work with you mm -hmm. if you're in California. Their state might limit who they can work with. It might only be people in their own state or province. And mm -hmm. so if they're working with an out of province or out of state client, then you need to know whether they have jurisdiction and they can still work with you if you want them to, but then there needs to be dis a disclaimer and some real clarity around this, their scope of practice, what they're able right. to do, what they're not able to do, what you're able to do in terms of a complaints process, if it doesn't work out with them for some reason. Right. That's not hey. just, oh, they didn't suit me as a therapist, but no, they did actual harm. Mm. So. Well, hey, Mitra. Hey, Dr. B. Hey, hey Mitra. Again, I'm going, I'm going full Harry Carey on everybody. <laughs> hey. hey, Mitra, I've got a question. Send it my way. If, As you, a heads if up, you're a hot dog and you're starving to death, would you eat yourself? I know I would. I just want the viewers and listeners tasty? to know this is exactly how our meetings go pre-show. Like this is like Mitra will say something very in-depth we're, and we're sitting here nodding right now. <laughs> but no, um one one question, and this is this is one I, I, I really want to make sure we 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 address is like how can people approach you as a therapist if they feel like sessions aren't going well? Like, what could they do? So we're in the middle of a session and they're feeling unheard or something isn't being said right or they're feeling, you know, super uncomfortable. I, my hope is I'd notice. Mm. Like, really, I, I think I should be tuned in enough to notice where it's not going well and say, hey, what's happening for you? Um, but if it's the client who's noticing, I want them to say this isn't working right now or I'm feeling really uh, uneasy or I'm not, you're not helping or this thing you said here, I'm kind of stuck on that and it's not working for me or, you know, I want them because I'm human um, and I make mistakes. You want and them to say this. I want them to say that they aren't comfortable if that is what is happening for them. Wow. I want them to correct me. I want them to interrupt me. I want them to tell me if I've got something wrong. So if I'm saying, yeah, I'm kind of wondering if this relates to that conversation we had last time about your mother when you shared such and so. If it doesn't, I want them to say, no, that's not it. If I go for, you know, how are you feeling about this? Or, or I suggest that maybe they're feeling such, or could it be that they're experiencing some betrayal right now, blah, 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 you know, and they say, no, that's not it. That's really important. So I always talk about um, how I'm going to work with someone. It's important to be, and I noticed someone in the stream shared this. Yeah, it's important to be collaborative with your clients. Yeah, probably. And it's I, about I, I, I used to do that overtly. Yeah, just really emphasize it, like yep. no question about it. 
Like I am, I work for you. I'm here to meet your goals. If I'm not doing that, I, you know, we need to fix something here about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's go ahead and take a look at what chat has been up to while we've uh, been having these great conversations. Hi, uh, chat. Hello, chat. Hello. Good to see you. All. How y'all doing? <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> yeah. uh, first one on my list is actually from Aaron M. Evans, uh, my, uh, my my co-host from Champions of Lore. She uh, she says, "I'm so glad the show is around." Well, th Yay. thank you. I love thank that you. question. <laughs> really thank you for being easy. here, Aaron. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Margaret, uh, CNE Margaret uh, says, "Fit is so important. Uh, just like having that cohesive." Thing between you and your therapist is 100 percent true yeah. um obo lauren uh says it, it's like finding the right D, D game uh you can have all the good people uh who are uh all being wonderful to each other but not everyone wants to play the same kind of game it's no one's fault you just deserve to find a group you connect with 100 percent true i i yeah yeah i for sure good good well, and I'll, I'll say that I, I, my personal opinion is that a good therapist worth their salt is going to recognize that, that there's going to be a lot of just like finding a good DM is going to recognize that maybe their table isn't your jam and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And a good therapist, a good, I, I think a good ethical therapist is going to try and work with you to find the best care that they can, that they can help you with. Like if maybe they are not a specialist in the area that you need, um, they, they're going to try and help you find somebody who meets your needs. Um, it, I, I've done that, you know, many times in the mm -hmm. past. Yeah. I, I would, would it almost be like saying like the first time with your therapist should almost be treated like a session zero for like a DMV Yes. Oh my Definitely. God. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Well put. Yeah. Um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, like re really, like think like putting in that analogy with, with what Lauren was saying and thinking about it, like and what both of you had been saying through the whole episode of what to talk with your therapist the first time. It really does sound like a session zero for D and D, where it's like these are my boundaries, these are uh, what uh, I'm looking for in this. Uh, does this match up what you are here for? Yeah, yeah. I want an X card in therapy now. <laughs> <laughs> Because crying isn't always the clue. Sometimes crying is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. And that's where it's so important to have that that process where you're checking in, your therapist is checking in with you on what's, what's happening for you. Because if they're telling you what you're feeling, that's not great because you your experience, being able to stay present with your own feelings in that safe place is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but speaking of session zeros, you know, we're talking about what will what people need to ask a therapist. I think when you phone them initially or contact them or email them, however you're getting in contact, um, ask them if they do a free consultation. Mm. You know, not all therapists offer it off the bat. I, they should. I do. But not everyone does. I, I it doesn't so mean too. they're not good therapists. OK, so but ask them. You know, can you have, you know, a quick Zoom chat? Can you, if you're meeting in person, which we're not right now, would they be willing to meet with you for 20 minutes or half an hour? Um, I give people a half hour free consultation. No ifs, ands, or buts. Mm -hmm. I want them to have that time to get to know me, for me to get to know them, a little bit of a brief discussion about their goals in therapy or what's coming up for them. Because 
And then that's an opportunity to ask these questions about work and education and modalities of practice and so what worked for them and what didn't before. Because then they can come into that first session having a sense of, you know, the fees, the rules, the expectations, mm -hmm. the confidentiality, you know, what, what happens here. They can come in really prepared to settle in. Once again, with the uh, red flags from my previous therapist, I'm like, you're supposed to talk to your therapist before the first session? <laughs> not every therapist does. That's no. not a, that's Okay, not a, okay, that's good to know. Yeah, that's, that's that's good to okay. know. That really is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Garwar uh, has a question. Uh, do you uh, do you have any tips for people with anxiety who have trouble making their, uh, that first step of going to see a therapist because they're worried about them not being the right fit? Hmm, that's a really tricky one, and I'll I'll say that that's that's one I struggle with sometimes. Um, yeah, this is that's something that I occasionally struggle with. Um. But one of the things I have to remind myself, and I really have to, I have to repeat it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I have to go to find out. Yeah. There's I only one way you're going to find out. out. And any, and I also have to repeat something I just said, that any good therapist is going to try and work with me to find a good fit. Because mm -hmm. ethically, their goal is to be as helpful as possible. Yep. And if they realize that they're not a good fit and we get all this stuff out on the table um, and then I start having a discussion with, hey, here's what I'm looking for and here's what I'm not looking for. And they they like, oh, well, I may not be the right fit for this. I, I expect that a sign of a good therapist is that they're going to be like, hey, well, here's an idea. Here's someone I know who might be a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that can happen in a consultation or even a phone call where you have 10 or 15 minutes is getting a sense of that fit um, and asking, even asking about a willingness to refer out. Um, oh, yeah. If you don't think that, um, that I'll be a good fit or if you don't think that it's going to work in terms of me as the client and you as the therapist, would you have other names for me? And really, once I have a half hour with someone, I don't know 100% if I'm always going to be a good fit for them because work changes over time and their needs do as well. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to know if we're looking at referring out. And referring out is a really good thing. If you come and see me and you know, I get a clearer sense of what you need, then I can give you the names of some people who really do work the way you need them to or work with those issues that are so important to you and are coming up for you. So, yeah. Before I go to the next one, I do really feel like we needed an editor's note for the podcast version while Mitra's talking that just says Trevor and Dr. B nod. Um, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. We just, agree with lot. Mitra a lot. So much, so much. I, just assume I, we're nodding. My, my wife pointed out uh, to me after last week's stream that the chat was just like Trevor and Dr. B nod. <laughs> and, and I could not, not, not notice it this time. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Uh, um, the next question, uh, uh, Monkey Hanus says, uh, with uh, the shift, th this is a question that I don't particularly know if uh, both of you are going to have uh, input in, but it, I, I wanted to hear what you guys wanted to say about it anyways. With the shift to uh, telemedicine over the last year, do you think that uh, it has uh, helped or harmed people trying to combat the stigma around uh, seeking out therapists? Given I had to call 60 people last week and every one of them said they were full, I'm guessing it's been helping. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and, and like, it also might be, 
it might not be the the that it's transitioned to this online way of doing it but because this last year like was a really big push for people like oh i'm not okay because everything's not okay yeah i i do wonder if um the global sense of not being okay because mm -hmm. hey who's okay in a pandemic like we're all struggling yeah. with something or the other um i do wonder if that's actually made it easier yes in terms of of asking um for support from mental health professionals or asking generally for support for your mental health um but the specific question was also around telemedicine um i think it depends on where you are it is true that there's more therapists that are busy, but it's also true that you may have more access to finding therapists than you did before. Mm -hmm. And you may have more access to therapists who are out of state or elsewhere, as long as there's still some jurisdiction or you're super comfortable working with them. But my hope is there's jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, couple other uh, uh, quick ones. Uh, Pancakes337, who is Lee Goldberg uh, for, from Griddle Champions, uh, says cognitive therapy was a huge, uh, a huge part of helping me get sober. Uh, and as I always say to you, Lee, I'm so happy and proud of you that you did. Um, also, then he uh, comes back and says, I feel like this is, my, uh, is maybe my favorite show on this network right now. <laughs> um, I did. I flip you over to our side. Terrible <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Very> <laughs> Tank uh, has one that I really do enjoy that says, uh, "Much like my time as a mechanic, uh, I rather uh, rather than saying see you soon, my goal was hope I don't have to ever see you again." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, I I like that. Uh, this is relating to Doctor B's which GI Joe am I? Wait, are you telling me which Spice Girl are you? Quiz meant nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That was from Mox Pearl. Oh uh, yeah. Let's see. Um, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go down to this one. Uh, actually, uh, Mox Pearl uh, comes back and says, uh, "Is oh no, sorry, it was uh, Sir Arabin." Uh, one of the difficulties right now is that there are so many therapists are uh, fully booked, or they're only available during regular work hours. Sites like Talkspace provide a lot of additional options, but require you to sign up and pay before even trying the service. Do you have any advice on how to find available therapists during this busy time? Gosh. Uh, um, boy, if I had an easy answer for this, I would have found a therapist last week. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard. It's, like this is i i have never had so much difficulty finding a good therapist as i i i have right now and i i'm going to uh, once again say what i'm saying to myself and that is keep trying or in you know the words of dory just keep swimming just keep mm -hmm. swimming um i'm just i'm calling around until i find somebody um but in the meantime what i'm doing is i'm also looking up uh, the, the cool thing about the internet these days is that there's enough people who are doing uh, psychologically, uh, scientifically based information delivery on YouTube um, that there, there's some really good stuff out there. Um, and I'm looking for, for YouTubers and content creators who base their stuff in science and are good science communicators, um, especially for autism, because there aren't a lot of adult autism specialists mm -hmm. in practice right now. You were tweeting about that last week. 
Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so frustrated. I know almost all of them in <laughs> Seattle personally, or they volunteered for take this. So not like mm -hmm. I can see them. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I have one suggestion, um, but, and this may relate to those in the U S as well as Canada. That's my hope. But, um, crisis lines sometimes are also referral lines. Mm. And so it can be a good idea to call particularly the ones that are more local to your area and say, listen, I'm not in crisis and be clear about this, you know, upfront, I'm not in crisis. I'm looking for referrals. Can you help me with this? Right. Um, and sometimes they'll refer you to low cost counseling or therapy in your area. Um, sometimes it's short term, but it can be up to 10 to 12 sessions and it can really help with crisis work and crisis lines can also be someone to use as a sounding board in that moment. It doesn't mean you're necessarily experiencing a lot of suicidal ideation. It might be that you're just experiencing some distress and need someone to talk to and they can help with that. And you just, again, need to be specific about where you're at in the moment um, and they can help. So that might be one route for people mm -hmm. in the short term. Um, yeah, the I'm just going to do this one because it uh, cracks me up every time. Robo Goblin 01 says crying is a great free action. Um, <laughs> uh, Abyssal Icarus, uh, th this one I, I, I wanted to bring up because I had the same thought while both of you were talking about the first session. Uh, the problem I found with first sessions or so, uh, I'm still in full quote people pleaser mode. Uh, new people uh, must make uh, them or, or must make new people like me mode. I I totally get that because I do the same thing. I you know half joking, half seriously say that like if I'm not in a great place and I'm going to see friends or something like that, I put on a mask. I'm not. I'm just a completely different person, and that's what I probably did my first session of therapy and. Uh, for me and what I'm going to try and do in the future, and I again, this is not perfect advice or anything like that, what I'm probably going to do is fully admit, hey, as a heads up, I'm probably wearing a mask right now and I'm probably trying to get you to like me. Um, so being honest about I do that the same thing because because that because that's the thing like admitting that that is part of the thing that you're there to help mm -hmm. with. So admitting it to your therapist is a great first step in my opinion. I, I do that for myself as well. You know, again, being autistic, mm -hmm. um, I often blend in with the crowd by mm. just kind of meeting other people's expectations. And um, that's a bit of a double-edged sword. And I will just call myself out to my therapist on first meetings. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, I expect as a therapist that people are doing that. Uh, pretty much because um, when you come in to see a therapist, you're also face-to-face -face with your reasons for being there. Whether you express those to your therapist or not, you're thinking about them, mm -hmm. of course. And sometimes that can be scary too. So sometimes that's a reason to kind of just want to feel like I'm going to be safe in here and I'm going to make sure my therapist likes me because this is really hard for me to say. You know, a heads up though, uh, most things you're going to say your therapist isn't going to be um, completely surprised by. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they probably, if they're good and they've been working for a while, they've probably heard it all. And the things that are shocking or difficult or even traumatic in a person's life, your therapist can hold the space for that. 100%. You need to feel when you say them that you're safe. And if you don't, that's a good sign that that's not the therapist for you, by the mm -hmm. way. 
but it's Very, natural yeah. to put a mask on when you first meet anyone we all do it you know and so it takes a while to kind of you're going to come in you're going to have the mask you need to feel safe yeah. and if for you it means people like me trust me when i tell you most times your therapist will really like you because i really care deeply for all my clients and it's simple they're vulnerable with me they're mm -hmm. honest they're doing their work and if that's where they're at i'm going to so appreciate that about them and I want to nurture, protect, support, help them, you know, not protect them, you know, but just be there for them, mm -hmm. create that safe place for them. So um, yeah. the last thing <laughs> I'm going to say here before we start to uh, wind down the show uh, is uh, Chrono Alarm, your question. We can't answer that one because, uh, again, this is not uh for medical advice, but I would uh, recommend you take a look at takethis.org forward slash mental dash health dash resources. Um, and they might be able to help you out there. Mox Pearl, uh, also, uh, if you would uh, like a right, I think, uh, Dr. P, you said that Take This also has a list of questions that is good to ask a therapist, right? Isn't that a um, no, we, I, we, um, but we could put that on. I, I'll, I could make that an important thing at our next uh, written content pitch meeting uh, for our content providers. What we do have is a fantastic flowchart infographic about how to find a therapist who's good for you. I believe it's under our expert content se section, or I can just throw that into the chat in just mm. one second here. Okay. Um, um, lastly, uh, um, we'll, we'll get one more in here from Hazen uh, that just says, do therapists also need therapy? Um, I'd like to tackle that yeah. one. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Um, therapists need therapy sometimes. Therapists also need supervision from other therapists, um, hopefully who are senior to them and can be mentors. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It is really important, critically, in fact, that we are able to do our own work because we don't want to bring that into our sessions with our clients. Yeah. You know, we don't want, we want to work on our biases and, you know, um, and the things that we're dealing with in terms of maybe grief or loss or whatever, so that we're free and clear to be present for our clients. I um, I don't remember the situation, but I remember someone joking around me. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, a therapist needs a therapist. And I got very serious. I'm like, I genuinely hope that they go to therapy because, again, like I, when I say yes. everyone <laughs> needs therapy, I don't exclude the therapist. <laughs> well, one one thing to think about and just really quickly is the statistics around mental health diagnostic rates um, in the United States. And um, oh my oh I got dinged I couldn't throw in a link oh my yeah, goodness uh, gonna, Jay was just on. letting me know about that if you can uh, if you can get me uh, the link there you are I just sent it to you okay um, I'm not special enough <laughs> um, but the, one of the things to bear in mind in and I hope this has kind of come through in this therapists mental health professionals are human too and depending on the research you looked at you look at in the united states roughly one in two people are going to be diagnosed with a mental health condition in their lifetime one in five in a given year and those statistics are fairly consistent across uh, across most uh, developed nations and so just think about those those statistics that you know we're, we're mental health professionals are human too and mm -hmm. also a lot of us get into this because we were inspired for some reason um, we want to help people for a reason. Yeah. Um, I I feel like that is a good place to stop this episode. I feel like we talked. <laughs> He's taking off the bow tie. <laughs> the, 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 the Dr. B costume is slowly coming off. Um, 
So uh, I, I feel like this is a really good conversation. Uh, thank you both for being here to have it. Uh, where can people find you uh, if, they, if they'd like to hear more from you? Um, I have a website at uh, metrojordan.com and uh, a contact form there. You can use that to reach me. I have a Twitter handle at metrojordan, which you can use to reach me. Um, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find, you know, I'm, I'm around at takethis.org. Uh, if you follow us on all the socials at takethisorg. And if you look right down there, that yeah, there's my personal Twitter handle and you can follow me on the Twitters and um, I will I will bombard you with tabletop RPGs and random musings. <laughs> uh, you could find me on Twitter at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there. Uh, I, I don't usually uh, I don't have as much good insight as the, the other two, but I sometimes post funny pictures of my cat with her tongue out. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that is going to do it for uh, this week's episode. Thank you so much uh, to Jay for moderating. Uh, could not do the show without you. Uh, thank you to Codename Entertainment for uh, letting us come here and have these open conversations about mental health. Uh, we really do hope that you, uh, not only the viewers, uh, but the listeners are getting something out of this. And um, we appreciate you being here. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, until next week, take care of yourself. <laughs>